Good morning, everybody. As uh, the offering is uh, being passed, uh, I get the chance to update you just really, really briefly on uh, our Corona campus. Um, if you don't have a, a whole lot of understanding of what that is, I'll just say this. Uh, there's a church within our denomination that's been around for about 25 years. Um, and within uh, just the last recent couple years for them, uh, they got to a place where they uh, were struggling. They were struggling financially. Uh, they were struggling in terms of attendance. And uh, their senior pastors there, uh, John and Edie Boss, as well as the elders of their church, um, they came to us, friends your Belinda, and uh, very humbly they said, hey, we think we need some help. We were wondering whether or not you would be willing to adopt us as a campus, that you would take us under your wing and that you would begin to help uh, like provide leadership and support and vision for us because, because we're small and we're, we're in a place where we, we actually we recognize that we need that. And so over the course of a year and a lot of really great conversations between leadership here and that church, um, we, we made the decision, yeah, we're going to move forward with it. And so this past November, on November 12th, we uh, had our Corona campus get kicked off, right? It was really, really cool. You should, you know, celebrate this, right? Uh, and I had the privilege of being the interim pastor for uh, that campus, and that's what I'm currently doing right now. Um, and so up on the screen behind me are, are just some pictures from the Corona campus. We've been uh, underway for a month and a half, um, and, and here's one of the things that I want you to know. Um, the, the Corona campus is a, a place where um, it, the, their congregation is small. There's not a ton of people, but the people that are there they are so deeply committed to God. They are passionate about worship, about being able to serve in their community. And they want to be able to find ways to continue the mission of God within the city of Corona and around the world. And so it's been a privilege for me over the last while to be able to go there, to come alongside of the ministry that they already are doing, and to be able to help that as they become another campus of Friends Church, uh, to be able to show them, hey, this is, this is some direction. This is where we can go uh, in the future. And so some of these pictures up on the screen right there in the middle is a picture of uh, myself and my wife as well as John and Edie Boss. That's the, the pastors that are still there and that are working right alongside of me as we continue to move forward. Um, there are a bunch of pictures here of a food drive that the week before Christmas uh, we were able to do as a church where um, we gathered together all these donations of groceries and we had 150 cars lined up within our parking lot for people to be able to receive groceries, to be able to receive fresh bread, to be able to receive prayer. And uh, because of Convoy of Hope's generosity in donating uh, Christmas gifts, we were able to give out hundreds of Christmas toys to kids that came, to families, so that they would be able to have a Christmas. It was an amazing day, yes. And so, really, the, this, just this quick update before we get into the message was just an opportunity for, for me to be able to say, um, thank you so much as a congregation, that you would give generously to things like the Beyond Campaign, which enable initiatives like this to happen. Thank you to uh, the, the leadership here at Friends Church, to Matthew and to Bart and to the elders who actually put some confidence and some trust in me and said, yeah, Kyle, go and lead. I am learning so much um, as I do this. I am I'm growing as a leader, and that is helping prepare me, even though I'm only an interim. I'm only there for six months. 
It's preparing myself and it's, pre- it's preparing my wife for when we launch Tustin in this next year, when we launch a new campus uh, down the road. And so I just want to say uh, thank you so much for being the kind of church that believes that that God's kingdom is about your Belinda and it's about all these other cities, all these other places. Uh, the kingdom is so much bigger and we need to be a part of that. So thank you. That's just my little update. Thanks for listening a little bit on that. And today it, it is my, my joy that I get to teach the message here this morning. And so I want to start off uh, just by uh, asking you a, a question. How many of you in this past week, because you got some new things at Christmas, you spent a little bit of time going through your closets, going through your garage, sifting out things, sorting out stuff? How many of you, you've done a little bit of reorganizing at your house, okay? Keep them raised real high. How many of you, you actually went and donated some stuff somewhere this past week? Okay, quite a few of you. That's awesome. I drove by Savers. Uh, just down the road here, and, and here's the thing, I'm Dutch, and so thrifting and like things that are cheap, that's really important to me. That's like, that's like a core value of, of my, my heritage, right? And I drove by Savers, I love that store, I love to go in there, but I looked and there were mountains, literal mountains of donated stuff, furniture and clothes. It was just massive next to that building. And here's the thing, that's what we do in this week is we say, hey, out with the old, in with the new, right? I like that. I like the fact that today is the last day of 2023 and that we get the newness of 2024. It's here in just a couple of hours. I like that. I really do. But I want to take a minute this morning to be able to slow down. Because I think that there are things within 2023, because it's not over yet, that I think God wants to teach us, that he wants to talk to us about, that he wants us to remember, and that if we would slow down just enough time to be able to look back, that there may be some powerful things from 2023 that God wants to use to help us in 2024. And we're going to be doing that by looking at the story of King David, looking at a pivotal moment in his reign over Israel where he chose to look back. He chose to honor God before rushing forward with his own plans. And how when he remembered what God had already done, that's what set him up for all that was to come. So my main point that I want to explore with all of you today, this is what we're going to be unpacking, is this. It's this idea that because of what God has already done, we position ourselves to be able to be a part of what God is going to do. That's what we're going to be looking at. So uh, Belinda, 9 a.m. right now, New Year's Eve, last day of the year. Do you think that in the next little bit that we can finish 2023 strong? Do you feel like we can do that? Yeah, I see some head nods. Turn to somebody right next to you and, and just say to them, I'm going to finish strong, okay? Say it with conviction. I'm going to finish strong, okay? You don't know if they are, but you are going to finish strong. That's what you're confident in. Please uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 15. And we're going to be going back to the Old Testament. Uh, and we're going to be zooming in on King David at this, this point in his life, this pivotal kind of public moment that, that really defines his kingship. And the situation that we're, we're going to be reading into is that the first king of Israel, the first king, Saul, has died in battle. 
Uh, David has been anointed and crowned uh, the new king of Israel, and many different warriors and leaders have rallied to him. They've come over to his side. They're behind him. Um, And he has fought a number of decisive battles recently against enemy nations. He has fought them. He's pushed them back. And most recently, he has captured the city of Jerusalem. And now it is his He claims it as his fortress, as his residence. It's the place where he's going to build his palace. And so they're starting to already to call Jerusalem the city of David. That's what's going on at this time. But there's a problem. And that is that the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence with his people, um, is not in Jerusalem. David tried to bring it up to the city about three months back, and some things went wrong, some things went bad. Uh, And so now David is trying a second time to bring the ark up to the city, and this time he's going to do it right. So think about this. What Hollywood is to movies, what Nashville is to country music, okay? What Las Vegas is to gambling, what Yorba Linda is to gracious living, right? That is, what, uh, that is what David wants Jerusalem to be for worship of God. He wants Jerusalem to be the center in the whole nation of where you worship God. And so he needs the ark to be in the city. And so we're going to read together, starting at 1 Chronicles 15, uh, verse 1. Would you read along with me? And we'll jump through a couple of different passages as we go. Uh, let me pray. Uh, God, uh, we want to read your word to hear from you. We pray that you would teach us, that you would speak to us, and that after this, God, that our hearts would be filled up with what you want us to know as we head into 2024. So uh, we read together. After David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. And David assembled all Israel in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. He called together the descendants of Aaron and the Levites. So David is king. And he's calling everybody together for this event And because uh, this is the book of Chronicles, that's where we're reading from, they chronicle, they record everybody that was in attendance at this event. So if you look in the earlier chapters of Chronicles, or if you look even in the rest of the chapter 15 right there, you'll see name after name after name of of who was there. And this is a, a public government document that was meant to show that the officials were there, that the the Levites, the priests were there, that the leaders of the armies were all in attendance. And David has made sure that the Levites, those who had priestly duties, that they cleaned themselves up. He literally gave them an order a little bit before this. He said, hey, consecrate yourselves, wash up, make sure that you are, are ready to go for this event. And then he tells them on top of that that they need to prepare sacrifices for this big event when the ark is coming into town. And then he says on top of that, and this is where things start to get a little bit unique. He says, and line up as many singers and musicians as you possibly can. Because I want you to make music, joyful songs with all kinds of harps and cymbals 
This is in verse 16. He says, I, I, I want this event to have the best music. It's a big affair. So think about tonight. New York City, Times Square, one million people packed in there. What, how fun, right, to be all in there. I looked up the list of the musicians that are going to be playing tonight at, at the, the Times Square, and it's Flo Rida, and it's Jelly Roll, and it's Megan Thee Stallion. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, great. They've got some, they got some uh, people that are coming. And all these people are packed in there because they want to see the ball drop. They want to usher in 2024. And I want you to understand that at this point in time in Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, everybody was in there. Everybody was packed in. The finest musicians in the nation were present with instruments, ready to be able to celebrate. All because people wanted not to see the ball drop, but to see the ark be carried in. And so in 1 Chronicles 15 verse 28, it says this, all Israel brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouts, with the sounding of ram's horns, with trumpets and cymbals, and the playing of lyres and harps. We don't have a lot of those instruments in our worship today, but they played them, I'm thinking, exceptionally well. And then it arrives. The Ark arrives. And First Chronicles 16, verse 1 through 2 says this. You can see it on the screen. They brought the Ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for pitched for it, and they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And you might be getting to a point where you're like, Kyle, why are you talking to me about this on, on New Year's Eve? Why are you telling me about all this, this party that David was throwing? Well, I, I want you to understand that there isn't anything that's super unique yet about what David has done. When kings came into power, ancient kings, they often threw parties. They often would even make a toast to, you know, their gods or to other people because it was a way for them to establish and solidify their power, to have everybody understand that they were, they were in charge. But what David does next is what truly sets him apart. All the best musicians and singers are in place. All the officials, the elders, the leaders of the different tribes, they're all present. And at that point in time, he says to the performers, I wrote a song. I want you to play it. Here's the lyrics. Here's the notes. Go. And at this point, a really pivotal moment for David as a king. What he does is he has a song played. And this song could have been about his exploits. This is the guy who's killed giants, right? This could be a song that is the new national anthem of Israel. It could be a song that's ba ba ba, all about how great Israel is. It could be a song about what's coming. You ain't seen nothing yet, Israel. Here it comes. But the song that he has them play that it says in scripture that this was the day that he gave them this song is found in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 7 through 14. Now, I want to read it with you right now because it's so important what he does. On, in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 7, read along with me. It says this, That day David first appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord in this manner. 
Give praise to the Lord. This is the song. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. And this is the part of scripture that we're going to be really looking at today. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. And this word, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced, you his servants. The descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers, he remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. I'm sorry I couldn't sing that for you this morning, right? But it's a song, and there's power in it. Because at this moment, David chooses to look back. When he could be put, standing in front of everybody and making a big deal about who he is or calling out a vision for the future, David looks back. He remembers the wonders of what God has done in his own life and even before that in the story of the nation, in the story of their ancestors. If you read on within the chapter, he talks about Abraham and Isaac. He talks about the creation of the world. And at the end of it, David's heart is full. He's in this place where he can't help tell everyone around him. And he's the king now, right? But he's telling them to praise and sing and celebrate and dance and glory to God. He's so filled up with it. He's like, you, we've got to. We have to do this. And in just a few hours, as we get ready to launch into 2024, I think that it's really important that we take a little bit of David's example. It's good for us to look back at 2023 and to reflect and ask ourselves a few questions. Questions like, what has God done in your life this past year? What has he done? Or a question like this. Were there specific times that you can remember where you experienced God's blessing in 2023? Were there prayers that you prayed that were answered? Or were there times when things didn't come out like you wanted them to? When your hopes didn't come through. But in that disappointment, you still felt the presence of God. Were there people that God rallied around you that were your support and your encouragement in times when you wouldn't have had anything else? Remembering is tough work. It's actually easier for us just to fly forward into what's next. Um, but when it comes to our memories of our relationship with God, these things are gold for our hearts, for our minds, for our future. If we will actually take the time to, to dig it up, to mine out the things that have already been done, that God has already been done, if we'll take that stuff and sweep it off and, and brush it up and hold it up for others to see, that gold has the power to be able to influence our future. Because there's lessons in our past that are going to be our guide. 
There are uh, lights in our past that can illuminate our path forward. There is power in our past with God that can fuel our future. But if I was your enemy, let's say I just don't like you, okay? Just, just for a minute, hypothetically, I do like you. But let's say I didn't. Let's say that I actually was the enemy of your soul. I was the enemy of this church. And I wanted to just ruin your 2024. But I couldn't stop God from blessing you. I couldn't actually block the way that God was moving in your life. If I couldn't do that, then what would my strategy be to throw you off for 2024? My strategy would be that I would get you moving at such a fast rate, at such a pace, that even though God is doing things in your life every single day, and you even are aware of them, you would not have the time or the space to be able to slow down enough to appreciate them, to have them actually fill up your heart. You drive by the gas station, but you don't actually pull in and fill up. I would push you and I would drive you for some reason, for something out ahead of you, something in the future. I would just keep on moving you in that direction. And I would do that so that I could destroy you, so that you would get so empty, so fatigued, that you would come to a place where, where you would potentially say, I'm on empty. Where are you, God? What are you doing? I think that we do actually have an enemy that does that to us in this world. He wants us to forget. He wants to give us spiritual amnesia, where even though something wonderful has just happened within our life, maybe just in November, or maybe God was really there for us in a tough time in July, maybe we had this awesome thing that happened in our personal lives in February, but we can't remember it. And so we're in danger. The, the, the not remembering is bad, but the real danger and the thing that I'm so afraid of for you, church, for me, for myself, the thing that I truly fear is that we would have so much that God has done within our lives, but that we wouldn't be able to bring it to mind and that our hearts would be running on empty, that we would be tempted to think that God hasn't been around that God hasn't been working, that God hasn't been present, and that because of that, we would shrink back in fear for 2024. We would pull back. We wouldn't position ourselves to be a part of what God's going to do because we're not exactly sure if he's been at work. That's what I'm afraid of. Because if I'm an enemy of you, I want you to forget, and then I want you to be afraid. I want you to feel alone. I want you to live small in 2024. Because if I can get you to do that, then it doesn't matter how much God pours into you. It's like you're a cup without a bottom. It just drains out. David is challenging the nation of Israel as a person who his road to the kingship was very rough. It was brutal. He faced a lot of challenges. He was constantly being sought out and tried, Saul was trying to kill him. He dealt with a lot of different factions and other things like that. But on this day, he stands in front of the people of Israel and he says, we've got to do the work of remembering how good our God is, of celebrating his wonders. We've got to seek his face. We've got to look to his strength. 
And so Psalm 27 verse 1, it it really captures this idea really, really well. It says this, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David's in a place where he's saying, my heart is so filled up that yes, there are difficult things in my life, in my past, potentially in my future, but God is my salvation. He's my light. He's brought me through. This is who our God is. And because of that, we can position ourselves with courage, with confidence, to be a part of what God is going to do. Many of you uh, probably know this quote. You've heard it before. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's this. Past behavior is the most reliable predictor of future behavior. I'll say it again. Past behavior is the most reliable predictor of future behavior. Okay? In business, if you've got employees and they've really done a poor job previously, you know they're probably going to keep behaving badly, Right? You believe that about people, but do you believe that about God? Do you believe that about God? Because God's past behavior, the things that that he has done within scripture, the things that he has done within your lives, within the life of the church, they are profound. They are powerful. And yet, it's possible that you might be looking at 2023 and not aware of those things, And you might be looking to 2024 and you might not have confidence in terms of what God can do going forward. In this uh, movie that came out a little bit recently with with Matt Damon in it, it's called Air. Uh, I really, really love the movie. It's all about how Nike pursued Michael Jordan to be able to get him to sign on and have a contract with them. Here's a picture of Matt Damon. And Matt Damon's character, Sonny. Uh, Sonny is watching film over and over and over again of Michael Jordan. He's watching all the different shots that Michael Jordan has taken. And he really zooms in on the 1982 NCAA double final, or NCAA uh, final game where uh, North Carolina is going up against Georgetown. And Matt Damon's character says, look at this shot. Look at this shot that Michael Jordan takes. And in it, when he's explaining to his boss about who Michael Jordan is. He says, everybody's been looking at this play wrong. They don't think that the play was drawn up for Michael Jordan. They think the play was drawn up for James Worthy and that Michael just happened to get the ball passed. But he said, I've been looking at it. And this play was built for Michael Jordan to be able to receive the ball and to be able to take this beautiful shot, right? And he shoots it, he scores. North Carolina goes on to win the championship. And it begins to set up Michael Jordan for an amazing, amazing career as a basketball player. But here's the thing that Matt Damon's character points out. They have missed the fact that the play was drawn up for Michael Jordan. Because the coach knew that even though he was an 18-year-old freshman, he could make the shot. The coach had confidence. The coach believed. And so the coach gave Michael the chance. But here's the problem, people. I think that for many of us, we are thinking about 2024 in a way where we think all the big plays have been drawn up for us. We think that all the different things that are going to happen, that they're dependent upon us. They're dependent on what we can do. And so that might put us into a place of pride where we think, look out world, look what I can do. Or it might put us into a place of fear where we're like, I'm just going to stay 
off the court. Now, the danger of the pride is the fact that we might actually put God on the bench. And that we would enter into this next year and we wouldn't have a confidence that God can score points. God is the one who can make plays. That God can do things that go beyond what we've ever seen on the field of our life before. And then in fear that we might actually not get into position ourselves to be a part of what God is going to do. That's the danger of not taking the time to be able to remember what God can do, what God has done, and to be able to celebrate it, to fill our hearts up with it. Matt Damon's character, Sonny, eventually is so convinced that he says, we want to take all of our marketing budget. I want to go after Michael Jordan. I want to sign him to Nike. We're going to build a shoe around him. And $20 billion later, I think his decision was worth it. I think his decision was on the money. But it wasn't about Sonny. It wasn't about him. And that's one of the things I, I want to communicate to you, that it's actually not really about us. Remembering and celebrating, it's not about us. We are turtles on a fence post. If you've never heard that expression before, I'm just going to say to you, if you're driving through the country and you see, as you're going along, you look over and you see a turtle on a fence post, you don't think to yourself, what an amazing turtle. What you think to yourself is a question that pops into your head and you think, who put that turtle up on the fence post? And I want you to understand that that is our lives as Christians. We are constantly in places that people look at us, they look at me and they're like, why is he up there? And I'm like, I don't know, but I think God put me up here. God is putting me and putting you into positions and situations where, yeah, you're, it's, it's greater than what you think you could do or what you could be a part of. But guess what? The reason why God is doing that is so that people, when they look at you, they're like, that's a turtle on a fence post. There must be something else at work. There must be some God or something else that has risen that person to those heights. Because I know them, and they're not that great, Right? And I want you to understand that, that that's really what this next year, what we're being called to. We're called to recognize and be aware of what God has already done in our own lives, in the lives of those who are included in the stories of Scripture. And that we would dare to get into position, sometimes in difficult ways, sometimes in hard ways, to be able to just witness what God wants to do. It's His mission. It's his church. It's his world. It's his year. 2024 is his. And we get to be a part of it. But I don't want you to put him on the bench. I don't want you to stay off the court. I want to challenge you to actually remember enough that it fills up your heart that you are compelled to risk and be a part of the great things that God is going to do. You can do that by joining a life group. You can do that by leading a life group or leading in Rooted or leading in Alpha. You can do that by coming on the men's retreat, which is happening March 8th through 10th, right? Come on, you want to come along to that, right? You can do this in so many ways. You can seek God's face and you can look to his strength 
There's so many parts of what we do here as a church that are really just designed for you to be able to step in. But sometimes the fear or the lack of confidence, it gets you off your mark. I want you to know that the reason why my wife and I are willing to step into everything in Corona, uh, the reason why we are excited about the vision for, for Tustin is because we are in a place where when we look back at our life, I almost, I just start to cry because all my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good. I can't help but look at my life and think, I I am compelled. It says in our mission statement, when we are becoming a community of authentic Christ followers, compelled to go and change the world. And I want you to know, if, if going to Corona or going to Tustin means that I get to be a part of what God is going to do, I'm compelled to go there. I will go. I want you to feel that too. I want you to be compelled in a way that you go into 2024 and that you walk through things that are maybe going to disrupt your life, that are maybe really, really challenging or difficult, but that at the end of it, you get to witness God making plays and winning games, changing people's lives. That's the beauty of what it, gets, of what it looks like for us to be the church. That's my hope for all of you. And so, as you think back on 2023... As you remember and dig through the past memories, my, I, I hope you have a couple prayers kind of in mind. Some of them are, God, can you remind me of where you've been at work? For those of you who have walked through really, really difficult situations, who you're just in a, in a place of, of maybe confusion or grief, I hope for you that, that you call out to God and, and you're saying, God, where were you? I hope before you go into 2024, you say, God, what is going on? Help me understand. And if you're you're not a Christian and you're listening to me right now and you're like, I don't have any past with God, then what my encouragement to you would be, well, talk to people around you and find out why they have these stories. Read the Bible and hear about how God has acted previously. And maybe you can figure out how God wants to be a part of your story going forward. There's a, a, a really great um, story that I heard that I think kind of caps, uh, encapsulates this. Uh, it's a story about a man who had a, a pear tree. He, you can actually show a picture of it. Um, he, he lived in Kentucky and he had this beautiful pear tree and growing up his entire life this pear tree just produced fruit. It was a great pear tree. One day a storm came through that was really powerful and the tree was actually filled with fruit and the tree was blown down. There was a lot of water in the ground and then winds came and it blew the pear tree down and the man knew that the pear tree was done because if a pear tree falls over and the roots are exposed, like it just, it can't make, it can't come back. And his neighbor came by and said to him, hey, he was looking at the tree, he says, hey, what are you going to do? And the man says, well, today I'm going to be sad. Is that pear tree, I've eaten the fruit off that tree my entire life. It's been good to my family. He said, then I'm going to go out there and I'm going to harvest the fruit. I'm going to take what I can off of the tree. And then after that, once I figure out what to do with all the, the fruit, he said, then I'm going to chop it up. And I'm going to use that wood for firewood or for other things. And he said, and then what's left, the roots and the broken pieces that I just can't think of anything, that I'm going to burn 
and I'm going to bury and I'm going to leave it in the past. I'm going to get rid of the stump. And I want you to understand that maybe that's a picture of what you need to do with 2023. Harvest from it the good things. Learn from it the, the tougher lessons. And then other parts, ask God to help you just bury and put in the past and heal from and, and forget and redeem so that you can move forward into 2024 with a hope and a compulsion, a, a push that helps you have confidence and helps you move to places and be in position for when God's going to do big, big things. As we close up today, I'm going to encourage you to just take a brief moment to be able to pray, to be able to reflect. It'll, it's going to be short. But I'm asking you to, to think about what God has done in this past year, to maybe ask him to help you understand what's happened in your life. Maybe that God would even give you a call or a picture of something that you have to take a risk on in 2024. Because the good news is that God has already done so much. David knew that. Thousands of years, even before David, God was acting. He is the great playmaker. His past behavior is 100% a predictor of what he's going to do in the future. And so because of that, when we remember what God has done, when we look to his strength, when we seek his face in 2024, that's how we finish 2024 or 2023 strong. And that's how we enter into 2024, not with God on the bench, but God right alongside of us playing, making things happen for Christ's sake, for the kingdom. That's my message for you today. And I ask you now just to take a moment to be able to pray, to be able to reflect and to be able to remember before we sing uh, this last song.